Podcast Revolution Network presents The Way with Noah. Um, so, greetings, good afternoon, everyone. This is a special edition, special, you know, later week edition of The Way with Vanilla. Um, there's been so much going on as of late in terms of issues of alliances between the left and, you know, figures on the alt-right or collaboration or, you know, only teaming up on particular issues, whatever euphemistic phrasing people are using these days. But there's also a really serious conversation that has been starting about the role of independent, so-called left or progressive independent media, you know, outlets, um, individuals, journalists, contributors, and in in, in, in not just informing and engaging, you know, everyday average people, but also the role they play in our movement building and our organizing work and the narratives that they're constructing and, and, and how we actually need to have some degree of accountability um, in our spaces. Uh, and really look at what the bigger picture is. So I'm really excited. There's a series of conversations that are being planned and starting to happen. Um, and while it's unfortunate, you know, the fallout that, that has been happening in the, the, as some call it, the back and forth, and I'll get to that later, but, but I am really um, pleased to see those who are not just, you know, hiding their heads in the sand or ignoring this, right? Because there's a tendency to ignore things that are happening, um, as if it's just a fringe issue or it's not really indicative of anything. And I really think that inherently destroys the viability of our of our movements, of our work, of building out alternative media as a viable option to, to corporate-controlled interests. So I am joined today by one such writer who has kind of taken the time to, to parse this out some. And um, I'm, I'm really glad he had time to join me. So thank you so much for joining. So I'm really excited okay. today to have Yoav Litvin here with me. Um, Yoav wrote a piece in Counterpunch uh, that, that that looked at kind of you know the rise of a particular rogue journalist and, and and actually looking at the way she has been embraced by major political figures within third parties as well as within, you know, independent media spaces in general. And this wasn't – well, I'll let you explain some more about wh- how you came to this. Because it didn't seem like that you you have this malicious uh, vendetta um, or anything right. like that, that you really do have a commitment to having good, honest um, dialogue and information being provided to people. All right. Well, first of all, thanks for uh, reaching out, and uh, I'm excited to talk to you, Anoa. And, um, yeah, so – as you stated correctly, um, I decided to speak out about this and write my piece because of the connection to the Green Party, which I voted for, uh, and I felt a certain um, duty to speak out about something that I found extremely uh, dangerous um, for the American left. Um, and, um, of course, the way the article was received by many was uh, some kind of hit job even though um, it was definitely not uh, intended as a as a hit job against any any specific person, but it was intended to provoke debate. So right. I can tell you a little bit about the history 
of um of why I decided to finally speak out about um this about Caitlin Johnstone, this journalist that we're that we're um we're talking about. Um first of all let me just say that um I have no issue with writers writing whatever they want. Okay? I mean we right. we live in a democracy and there are so many writers out there, 99.9% of them, I don't bother to read because I don't like the way they write or what they write about or, or I'm not interested in the content, et cetera, et cetera, but they have every right to write whatever they want, and I have zero problem with that. I do have a problem, and that's exactly when I finally stepped up, when a party that supposedly represents me and my interests decides to align with somebody who I perceive as a fraud and as somebody who advances a certain agenda, which is counter to my own agenda. And that's when I decided to speak up. And when, when I say fraud, that's not some kind of emotional um, uh, accusation. I don't know this, uh, this writer, John Stone. I have nothing personally against her. Um, However, I have reached that conclusion of fraud based on quite a few categories um, which qualify her work as fraudulent. And I can go through that uh, with you if, you if you're interested. Okay, yes. Yeah. So let's just talk a little bit about what, what, what were some of the things that stuck out to you. Um, I, too, also voted for, even though, you know, I offered critical analysis and critique of Joe Stein's campaign all, you know, after – um, during the general election process, I did ultimately vote for Joe Stein, contrary to what people are saying otherwise. Um, my daughter went in the booth with me, and that was something – I always take my kids with me when I vote. Um, and, and, and I wasn't sure if I was going to follow the blank-out strategy at the top of the, 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 the ticket, like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. several folks talked about if you were living in a state. I live in the South. The South was going to go red regardless, you know, of, of how mm-hmm. I voted. Mm-hmm. So I, I mm-hmm. felt that I had – greater flexibility in what I was going to do. Um, mm-hmm. so, so, I, so I do understand the concern, right? I mean, everyone always talks about how the Green Party says that is the larger, you know, um, you know of, the, of, the, of the non-major parties that, that has recognition, right. and, and, and Jill Stein really did bring the Green Party, you know, especially when all the disaffected Bernie voters came in, it really did put her on a different platform than we've seen since maybe Nader in 2000. So, so I, I do understand. I want to. I want them to see. I do want to see them do well. I want to see them grow and and and, and become electorally strong as well. Um, so I was really interested when I saw when I saw. I didn't. I realized when I did see your piece in a in a Facebook in a Green Party Facebook group that I'm a part of. Um, I'm not mm-hmm. a Green Party member. I'm, I'm not a anybody's party member, but I do have several friends who are greens who are, you know, trying to run for leadership, et cetera. So, and so there are a couple of groups that I got added to, um, and and I did see it, and there was a discussion, you know, with some folks about how this was, you know, con- disconcerting. Um, and, again, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that we have to be able to have critical analysis, discussion, debate even about these topics. And this is a very real serious you know, you know, spreading information, you know, giving people access to platforms. When we're trying to build up stuff, it's, it's really crucial stuff that's happening right now. So um, when I read your piece, I was like, oh, this is interesting. This is something that makes, makes sure to note to watch. And that's what I did for the next couple of weeks was just watch uh, what was yeah. happening and how it was being received. 
Well, I'm really glad yeah, it got it got noticed. Yeah, yeah well, I'm, like I said, I'm really glad it got noticed, um, and I'm glad that some people noticed it for quite a few people noticed it for what it was, which is a true piece that conveys concern for the future of the Green Party and for uh, alternative, a left-wing alternative here in the United States. And um, a lot of people actually reached out to me after the piece and, and thanked me for it. A lot of people who who had very, very similar feelings about the Green Party and about um, uh, Johnstone's writings, which uh, they found very dangerous on multiple levels. Um, and, and I'm very happy that this is uh, this is a converse, conversation that's that's still going on. Um, mm-hmm. the, the the primary focus of it has become uh, this alliance with uh, with the alt right, which is embodied kind of uh, by uh, Mike Cernovich um, through through you know Johnstone's writings, uh, which is which is really kind of the final straw that broke the camel's back for me as far as um it, it was it was a real kind of um it's so disrespectful to so many uh oppressed groups you know if it's women or if it's black folk or or if it's any 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 minority really to ask to ask an oppressed group to align with your oppressor is is beyond insensitive it is is just plain cruel and for the left it's just right. a, a failed strategy which has failed in the past and history guides us and teaches us that this approach only serves the reactionary right. So once that once that was kind of on the table, um and, and if you'll notice these things come uh to the conversation always with with one, two, three disclaimers. But but that don't pay attention to the disclaimers because there are certain red lines that cannot be crossed. It doesn't matter how many disclaimers you have. Um, and this is one of them. This is one of them. So uh, I think it's very important to pay attention to what's going on, to pay attention to, and like I said, I really have no interest in a kind of character assassination here. Um, it, it, personally, I, I'm just I'm just aware of how uh, of how writing and integrity uh, functions within within mm-hmm. writing. So. Um, I, I was an academic for 10 years, and there's a very rigorous way of writing in academia, and there's also a very rigorous way of um, standing behind your work. Um, you right. must have reference. You must have references. There must be credibility. Okay. So, for example, one of the critiques that I got from my piece was that um, some elitist who seeks, uh, who thinks that people need degrees in order to write, which is completely false. I did not say that. All I said was. That there was uh, that there was pro- uh, some degree produced by 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 Johnstone. What what is essential is credibility, and credibility for an author is produced by two things. Number one, by experience. Okay, so if I live in a community that is affected by something and I write about it, that is valid. I'm ex- I, I, I I'm experiencing something that I'm writing about. Okay, that's one. Number two, if I'm not living in that community, but I decide to write about that community, is education. Okay, so how am I educated? How do I know what I know? Um, and this is essential because if when I look at a writer, I don't believe anything somebody tells me. You know, I need to look at why should I believe this person? And therefore, I examine the credentials. 
of this journalist, and 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 she failed miserably. Um, right. So 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 this is this is very very crucial uh, for people, especially in today's kind of demonopolized media landscape, where you know uh, corporate media is feeding us lies, right? Um, n- not just lies, but also lies and propaganda. But out of this came a kind of independent media, which is on the one hand fantastic. And on the other hand, also opened the door, created a vacuum and opened the doors for a lot of fraud. So people have to consider these things when they read different writers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when you're – I do appreciate that the two things that you the, – the, 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 what you broke down about determining credibility and how it's not centered on educate like, like someone's formalized education, right? There's some there, – there is – I mean, we all know really brilliant, wonderful people in our lives who maybe do not have, you know, degrees upon degrees. They just have really yeah. good knowledge about issues through lived experiences and communication and relationships two situations like you pointed out. But I really appreciate that that you said that, you know, in terms of credibility, either, you know, you have the experience and relationship with something or you've taken the time to do the education. And when you say education, I understand that to be more of understanding the circumstances of what you're writing about, talking to people who right. work in those areas, who actually do movement. And in this case, in this case, we're talking about movement building. We're talking about organizing work. We're talking about uh, uh, whether it's, um, you know, decentralizing corporate media or, or, or we're talking about anti-war or whatever we're talking about. There seems to really be a superficial understanding of a few aspects of these issues. And it's, and it's like you said, the vacuum has been open to you. You have several people who purport to be experts or they're knowledgeable about American politics, but they really just know a little bit more than the average person. And that's not a diss on them personally. What's so dangerous, like you said, is when because of that that influence that they've acquired, they then push these really bad narratives. And and not right. only are they pushing bad narratives, but then they're not able to defend their work, and and it just falls apart. And it's it's really disturbing that we have this notion that freedom of speech exists for those who put out preposterous ideas but not for right. those of us who have concerns and raise critique. Critique is necessary for us, to, you know, to move forward. And that, from my experience over the past almost two weeks, in terms of raising critique and asking very specific questions, you made a very good point about how our current corporate media structure not only feeds people lies but also manipulates the propaganda. And if that's something that we want to address, quote, unquote, take down, undo, how do we do that by giving power, agency, and credibility to other media structures that also manipulate through misinformation, lies, and propaganda? To me, that right. does not make any that doesn't, logically that does not make sense. Why would you right. turn a blind and, eye to something you're saying is a problem? Right. I mean, it, honestly, it's a con. And I'll tell you, and and that's why I called my my piece the Green Party Marks in the Media Con Job. It's a con because. Um, it's, it's, it's built on lies, this whole narrative of, and, and I can break it down for you. It's built on the lie of the fact that we have a common enemy, okay? So first thing that you do when you build this, this con is you suggest that left and right should come together against a common enemy. And this common enemy, if you look throughout history, it has different names, perhaps, like the Rothschilds or Illuminati, or the deep state, or mainstream media, but it's always a common enemy. And what does this common enemy do? The common enemy, what it does is it galvanizes people around it. However, 
it deconstructs your personal identity. What does that mean? It means, no, no, you are, are you, are you gay? No, you're going to have to forget about your grievances and work with this homophobe because our common enemy is now the Rothschild, Illuminati, deep state, whatever. Okay. So what it does is right. it creates, it creates a lie that's, that's a common enemy and galvanizes people around it and around the leader. Okay. And then it, by doing so, it deconstructs personal identities. However, the left is all about these identities, right? We're not about erasing the, our differences. That is not what the left is about. The allegiances of the left don't, are not, um, let's form an allegiance with everybody against the establishment and erase all our identifying markers. That's not the left. The left is we keep our identifying markers and join together all the oppressed groups against mm-hmm. our oppressors, okay? That's a huge difference, okay? So when somebody constructs this kind of con, people have to be able to be cognizant and, 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 and understand that anytime somebody tells you to join groups, join in the same team with your oppressor, that's a con. That's not left-wing politics whatsoever. Well, I, I, so, 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 so here, here, here is, and I, I think you, you start, you parse it out very, very clearly, right? Because I, a lot of people in their pushback, and, and this, this is why I personally have called Caitlin disingenuous and dishonest, right? Because she has specifically said one thing in her writing, her, those two articles. Right, because she did the one piece and then she did the clarification piece saying she just meant, you know, the media. They just need to join up for the media. But when you're talking about alt-right and you're, you're picking the farthest, most extreme person you can think of or find on the Internet to reference, you know, this notion that we need to work with people who voted Republican, we need to work with everyone, we need to work with disaffected voters, that's fine. I absolutely agree with that. We do need to reach people and build them up. But just like you said, our politics on the left, is about these different identities, about building people up, about, you know, increasing, you know, opportunity engagement for all. It's about informing people, you know, helping to create a more engaged populace. It's not about manipulating people with lies right. and propaganda to keep them subjugated and in a certain mindset. So what what has really bothered me is when people transfer, when she's saying, oh, right, right. to then working with, you know, people who may have voted Republican, who were downtrodden, and and, 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 and you know, maybe, you know, would would need a boost as working class folks from some of the different policies we're all advocating for. There's a huge disconnect and I and I and I it's so problematic, but people are so busy trying to focus on being right, you know, and in and, and, and their egos mm-hmm. instead of looking at the actual issue the way you just presented it. And and I'll tell you something further. Um when you were just speaking you in my opinion, uh, erroneously clumped together groups that um, it is not your interest to clump together. And what I mean by that is when you said disaffected voters, Republicans, alt-right, all these people in one group, that's not that's not one group. There's a difference between mm-hmm. disaffected voters who are, let's say, 50% of the population who didn't even bother to vote because they're so disillusioned with the system, and the tiny minority that um, – Somebody like Johnstone promotes not just by not just by uh, calling uh, for for working with Mike Cernovich. She actually mm-hmm. links to um, uh, uh, you know uh, people like Alex Jones, who are who represent a, you know 
a, a very fringe element in society that's conspiratorial, that's been, you know, attacked by all parts of society as fraudulent. Um, and she links to uh, people who are racist. She claims in her own articles. Again, this is not an attack by me. I'm just citing her own work. Okay, so for example, in a piece mm-hmm. that I linked to, that I linked to, she linked to what uh, this group called the Resistance Chicks, which she herself stated are Islamophobes. Okay, in 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 another one of these disclaimers that are meant to to make you feel okay. Um, when you consume this content as a lefty. However, he actually links specifically to these fringe elements in society. She is working together with a um, Robert Steele. He is a person who has claimed on, on, on InfoWars, on Alex Jones' show, that there are child sex slave colonies on Mars. Okay? Uh, you can look this up. NASA, this became so viral that NASA actually had to come out with an article and, and deny it. So when you clump together disaffected and Republican voters with Alex Jones and alt-right, that is a fallacy. The left can work with, um, uh, with people who are disaffected and who may have Republican uh, leanings and libertarian leanings, which is what Nader advocated for. So another one of the defenses right. that these people come up with is, wait a minute, Nader advocated for this, but that's a complete lie. You know, I mean, it's not enough that Nader's name has been, you know, dragged through the mud by Democrats um, because uh, because they blame him for Gore's loss, which is completely debunked a million times. But now these people on the extreme right are trying to use his name to make you think that it's okay to work with racists. Um, the, the thing that Nader actually advocated for was working on very specific issues of civil liberties with libertarians, such as Ron Paul. And myself, for example, I, I don't necessarily agree with that, but he never advocated for working with, with any kind of fringe right elements um, that, are, that are racist and, um, and hate black people and Jews mm-hmm. and are homophobic and are anti-immigrant and are white supremacists in general. So, and make excuses for rape. I mean, it goes on. And there, there's, no, right, there's so right. much that's so wrong. There's so much that's so right. wrong. Um, but, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, Nate, Ralph Nader has talked, you know, at length about, uh, you know, turn rolling back the different, the, the, the regulation, you know, in terms of telecommunications. I mean, there's been very, very specific legislative and regulatory, you know, agenda items he has discussed, um, you know, pertaining to this. But what I find, and this goes back to what I call dishonest and disingenuous, is that a lot of these people, whether they're larger platform folks or they're, you know, people in the political world, are going based on what she's saying to them and or not really taking the time to dig in deep and have just really think about what's being written. And like, yeah, well, that makes sense if you're saying this, because it's not being clearly communicated in her writing. If she truly meant that we need to join and organize and mobilize disaffected voters and come together around these issues that we agree upon, that is not conveyed in her writing in these two particular articles at all. And it absolutely matters what's in these two particular articles, not that she may have written an article about Black Lives Matter X amount of months ago. That that, that, that doesn't mean anything because in these two particular no. articles, she's saying what she's saying no. and she's doubling down and refusing to even acknowledge right. that it was a bad example. 
You know, it doesn't right. work that way. And, right. And again, I come back to the point that my my article is not and was not and could not be a sneer because I've been proven correct ever since I published the article time and time again. So, you know what I mean? It's like people who, who eat a slice of, of pizza, but they still want to keep the pie whole. You can't say you don't want to work with the white supremacists, you know, and, and claim it's a smear when somebody says you do, but then double down on it. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And let me just go. Let me just go back to your point from before. I think the problem is um, with with uh, people who echo this kind of standpoint. And I know you've been talking to a lot of people on Twitter as well, who who also support her, like H. A. Goodman, who publishes her work. So it's not surprising that he supports her. Um, we are in a very kind of a populist media landscape where the number of your Twitter followers is much more valued than your credibility. So, you know, when I first, when I first, um, this is just a small anecdote, but um, right before uh, this woman blocked me because I had questions she couldn't respond to, the thing that she says is, well, you know what? I don't care about you and your 10 friends. Okay. So I'm not a populist. I don't have thousands of friends. You know, I write what I write, and 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 I don't. I'm not looking to please people. Okay. However, people who are looking to please people bend the truth in order to please those people, and that's where credibility comes into play. Where the credibility will always suffer if what you care about is popularity. Okay. That's it's a kind of it's a kind of scale, right? Either you have credibility and you don't care about what anybody thinks about you, or you really, really care about what people think about you, and you're going to bend the truth. Okay, and with journalism, there is no bending the truth. That's not journal. You know, if you want to be a fiction writer, bend the truth all you want. Um, so that, that's that's the danger that I see with um, with journalism that is based on popularity and you know this is kind of epitomized by the president of the United States who admitted himself that he uh, could not have been elected without Twitter okay and this is the society we live in it's a society that popularity counts more than truth yeah absolutely i mean that is a really great point we've been seeing that 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 for the past, really, for the past few years, you've seen like social media presence become this 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 replacement for veracity, um, and like you said, for truth and credibility. You know, because just because a lot of people are following an account, like somehow they're more important or more valuable because of it. Um, but that also, you know, this person again, but that's also how she chooses to dictate who she will engage with and who she won't. Um, she and I were about comparable, and I got blocked for asking questions, you know, and I was told I was violent, and I was trying to destroy her. And that that's a deflection tactic, right? So this is like we're really trying to build – this is this is really problematic, and it's, you know, as you're trying to build – we already saw the attack on, you know, alternative media, less progressive-type media with the so-called scourge of fake news. We've already seen that happen, right? We've already seen, you know, steps – being taken, whether it's on Facebook, to start trying to censor, you know, um, independent media 
uh, types, whether you're live streaming or sharing articles, blog pieces or whatever, we've already seen different things happening. This type of stuff right here further not just misinforms people, which is we, we should really be about having good information to, to, to further right. our collective work, but also it, it takes the rest of us who exist in these same arenas um, and, and, and do have a certain personal ethic or professional ethic about our work, even though I'm not paid as a, as a correspondent. And I, I actually I actually hate calling myself journalists. And, and I look at people who call themselves journalists. It's like you don't even right. understand the basis of journalistic integrity right. and, and ethics. You know, I call myself a political commentator. Um, but I, I, I don't take it any less seriously that there is an accountability to the people that I comment or report on or the, the movements and issues and conditions that I'm discussing about. It should, and I stand by everything I say. So what's really disconcerting, and like you just said about the popularity concept thing, is that's what this becomes. Well, this right. is who we like, and this is who we're going to listen to. So it doesn't matter if she's right or wrong. It doesn't matter what she said or did. Um, not only that, but people but actually so say, right, and people will actually say, okay, I don't have to agree with her on everything. She's entitled to her opinion, as if racism can be re reduced to opinion. Oh, it's just her opinion. No, racism is not, you know, it's not a valid opinion, okay? It's not, it can't be reduced to, oh, okay, he just doesn't like Jews or Okay, she just doesn't like uh, Muslim people. You, that's not an opinion. That's it, a, a, a stance that um, that has to be uh, addressed seriously. And like you said, freedom of speech. Um, you know, it, it's it's not for for uh, fascists who who choose to impinge on and limit our ability to uh, to live free, uh, just like everybody else, and equal. And have justice. So, but back to what you were saying before, you know, that you, you were talking about what it means to be an intellectual fraud. And that's exactly where, you know, um, uh, fraudulent behavior can be, um, can be, in, uh, I, I have a nose for it, like I said, because, because I worked in academia. So if somebody can't provide references, if somebody uh, deflects or blocks you when you ask a question, um, if somebody is proven wrong, okay? Let's say I advance a certain theory, okay? Let's say the Seth Rich whole story, uh, which has been debunked, okay? Or let's, let's, uh, let's just call, I don't want to start the debate on Seth Rich specifically, but let's, let's say I wrote about something and I've been proven wrong, okay? If I have intellect, if I have intellectual integrity, I have to assume responsibility, hold myself accountable, and either retract the piece or write a new piece claiming, you know, I was wrong on this. But somebody who's an intellectual fraud never does that. Okay? So if you notice somebody like Johnson, she will never admit that she was wrong about this or wrong about that. Seth Rich, Pizzagate, I don't know what. Alex Jones, have you ever heard him say he was wrong about something? Intellectual oh, fraud. Intellectual fraud never uh, hold themselves accountable. So, again, like you said, I don't call myself a journalist either. I call myself a writer. However, I do have mm -hmm. uh, my own integrity. Um, that, that, that's what I have. That's, that's, you know, that's all you have when you're a writer. That's your most, mm -hmm. um, most valuable, re um, you know, possession. And once that... Once, once you uh, forsake that, 
it's it's very hard to recover. Mm-hmm. No, I absolutely agree. And, I mean, it really, really, you know, for, especially for so many people who got really, you know, big or famous on social media because of their, you know, growth during the Bernie Sanders, you know, campaign process. I mean, for a lot of folks, and I, I understand why people are so defensive, right, and raw about this. I get it. You know, especially for folks who really kind of start getting Bernie Sanders as their awakening in terms of news and politics and stuff and seeing how the mainstream media and, and the bias and who got attention and stuff. But you're siding with people who 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 were fine with them. I mean, they don't like the most the, the mainstream media coverage now because it's not kissing up to Trump by giving him all this great coverage like it did during the campaign process, right? Like the motive behind why everyone doesn't like like motive matters just because you both have the same sure. position. It doesn't mean that's the reason sure. why. We both said the same thing, so let's let's be best friends for life. Like, no, there's more to it than sure. that. And and we shouldn't right. be helping people with their agenda because we have our own. We you really should be paying attention to what someone else is trying to do. So like you said, an Alex, the Alex Jones Infowars type. No, we should not be working with people like that because well, they do some good coverage. You can't just because you do some good coverage, but just because you might hit it out the park and be like accurate mostly on something. Um, like one out of every thousand times doesn't mean that we give you kudos for that one and ignore all right. the, all the other times when you're just right. so lying and manipulating. Like they're 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 writing and work, and it was just so appalling because people were trying to say, oh, well, those really bad tweets from from Mike were from like however many years ago. I mean, just last month he was calling Black Lives Matter ISIS. So like that's right. very extreme. I mean, these are people who promote right. really bad narratives that will get someone like my son physically accosted, right, while he's walking outside right. or just playing with his friends. There's someone right. who will have people out there, you know, harassing and attacking Jewish people, you know, or, or women right. or, or Latinos. Right. You know, it's this type of BS that's put out there while we do have people, you know, threatening folks with deportation, like, ha, 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 don't. Like, I mean, I think there was an account where kids were at school, you know, taunting a teacher, even whether the teacher was actually had a citizenship issue or not. But still, this creates a very negative atmosphere for right. people that we say we care about uplifting. And I don't have to join the folks to be able to no. advocate for policies that are going to benefit all of us. Like, no, I'm and, not and, to benefit yeah. my group. It's everybody that we're looking to, but not everyone we can work with. Right. It's the oppressed people that you're looking to uplift. You never uplift yes. the oppressors. And these are these are the oppressors. They are not looking to topple the system. They are looking to, to, to establish their dominance over the system. And this has precedent mm-hmm. in history. I mean, this is another reason, by the way, why the right wing constantly is pumping out this message of there is no historical precedence for the times that we're in. There is no left and right anymore. Have you heard this kind of this kind of, of thing um, kind of propagated, where people have mm-hmm. where, where a lot of pundits on the right are saying there's no historical precedence. Left and right is meaningless. That's complete baloney. There is historical precedence to mm-hmm. to this, and you know um, uh, we can look back at, at last century and the rise of fascism, and um, and and we can mm-hmm. see a lot of the signs that we see today. So there is historical precedence, and there's also historical precedence for working for an alliance, what's called a red brown alliance. Uh, Adolf Hitler, socialist, um, and yeah. and then he slaughtered them. Uh, right when he assumed power in 1934, he, he just slaughtered them. So that was, that, they helped him by giving him the people power that they had. And once he didn't need them anymore, 
bye-bye. So, you know, when people talk about forming alliances with your enemy, the enemy of your enemy is never your friend. He is just the enemy of your enemy, and that's it. Yeah. No, I mean, absolutely. I mean, the enemy of my enemy is somebody to also side-eye, right? I mean, you know, but you also, you're talking about building alliances. And, again, like, this this is the problem because this is this is my issue with people not having well thought out. Like, I, you know, I wish I had time to sit around and write as much as other people do. Like, I really, really do. But it takes time to write really right. good, deep, like you said, research, credible work. That's going to, and, and I, I'm not, you know, I don't have super viral pieces. I mean, it is what it is. It's okay. People who get what they get and they use it and it's great. But I really, you know, like you just said about we can't just say, hey, that's someone that doesn't like the other person we don't like too, so let's go team up with them. What if that person, there's a reason right. why they, I mean, the, the motive, the, 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 the intent that is there and why because, you know, people who are coming from a place of xenophobia, of racism, um, people who don't necessarily have a problem with militarism, they just don't want to waste resources in Syria. I mean, like, there, there, there are different levels of conversation that we really need to understand. What exactly are we saying? And when you look at these responses, because the problem is, too, she invites people into discussion, right? She invites people to now claim that there is a, a door open for us. And there are other operatives out there that will take this narrative, as they're already starting to do on social media, and run with it to paint all of us negatively who exist, organize, and operate on the left. And that's the problem. Yeah, I mean, mean, the fact that I was predominantly attacked by people who have Pepe the Frog avatars on Twitter is indicative of the people Mm -hmm. who support uh, her work. So. Let's look at that also. And, and let, me, let me tell you something more about what you just mentioned about writing. You know, I think that we're all just screws in a machine, okay? I don't – I'm very suspicious of writers who think they can write authoritatively about everything. No, but, you know, I can't write about um, processes that are going, now, going on now in Kashmir, for example, Okay, I have no knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are people out there who know infinitely more than I do, so I just don't write about that. I write about mm-hmm. things that I am 100% sure about because of my education and my experience and my previous writings, and I hope to contribute in my small way. I don't look to make a splash, and that's another thing with, with writers like um, Johnstone. It's it's the it's another level of fraud is that um, they claim to be for the people, right? If you listen to her speak and and if you mm-hmm. read her works, there's a lot of there's a lot of we 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 right. We have to do this. We have to do this. However, when you actually look at the result of the writings, it's very narcissistic, right? If you look at this whole um, this whole thing splash that she had with John McCain, where she, where she published a piece that's called. Um, please just fucking die already, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, what what did it do actually? Let's look at it from from a, from a analysis from the left, okay? What it did is it propagated her name in the media, okay? Mm-hmm. And it made the left look petty, stupid, and irrelevant. And I don't mm-hmm. say this because I like John McCain. I think he is a disgusting human being, okay? However. There is so much propaganda about him um, being a, a war hero and being an establishment figure. 
that to go about this in a sensationalist way is extremely narcissistic and alienating to people, okay? So if you want to actually bring people to the left, you have to present a serious alternative, uh, an alternative that looks to not make fun of people, not be sensational, not be narcissistic, but be inclusive. And this stunt, for example, is, is so indicative of how how this type of sensationalist writing is completely counterproductive to any, any kind of left-wing alternative. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, and, and, and I want to stress this again, because if you look at my writings, I've never, ever gone after um, fellow writers. I'm not in the business of character assassination. Um, that's really not what I'm interested in. The reason that I got in, into this is because um, people at the highest level of the Green Party, um, and people are telling me, by the way, that the Green News Network is part of the Jill Stein, is, 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 is under Jill Stein's no. control, and, and is not well, part of the Green Party per se. Well, no, it's not yet. It's not officially a part of the – my understanding um, from conversations I've had about it, because I have, I have been on with David before um, – my understanding is that it, it it uses, you know, her page, like her space, but it is not actually um, officially right. in the Green Party. But I think right. the plan is to move it to make it an actual independent, you know, its own independent entity as well. Um, but Right, but, but that I, critique I, is kind of irrelevant. I mean, that critique is irrelevant. A little clarification of what I know. Right, right, right. I mean, that critique is irrelevant because, and it's a deflection because, I mean, they, these are two people who are presidential candidates for the Green Party. So to dissociate, I mean, Cobb and Stein, so to dissociate this from them is a stretch, okay? I mean, they they are accountable, and the Green Party should hold them accountable. Um, and then let me just say one thing Um about the Green Party, I have I have consistently made this about the Green Party and not about Johnstone, who I couldn't care less about. Um, and um, I even wrote them a letter, okay, which was published on Nation of Change, addressed directly to the to Jill Stein and uh, Baraka and Cobb mm-hmm. and all Greens. I have not received a single response, a thing which which for me is. How do you how do you claim you're a people's party? I published a piece. I took a huge risk. I published a piece, um, and then I went further than that, and I published an actual letter, you know, and still n- still nothing. So, on the other hand, an Australian foreign national who has zero to do with the Green Party, zero to do with the U.S., admits she knows nothing or very little of the of the of the of the cultural divides here in the US does not belong to the Green Party. You're you're constantly in contact with her, but you don't address one of your voters. So I've been extremely disappointed with the Green Party on, on this whole issue. Yeah, and I wonder I just wonder, you know, how how different groups are even equipped to really I mean I, I think for for me part of my, my thing, especially because a lot of people because a lot of these conversations with social media, right? Since a lot of this stuff on, on, on 
unveils itself via social media. And a lot of it tends to be Twitter versus Facebook. Like, with all this digital organizing stuff that people, you know, tend to do and not really taking the time to even understand how or why it matters. But I have plenty of people say to me, well, why do you even care? It doesn't matter. People who are actually doing the work on the ground, and that's true. There are a lot of people who are not in these spaces. They don't see any of this stuff. They don't know who these people are. It, that doesn't matter. However, like you were just pointing out, when people give problematic narratives space and time, when people do not adequately inform themselves on what the actual controversy is, right, and allow one person to dictate the terms of what has been going on to, 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 to deflect and flat out lie about what has been happening, that really does mm-hmm. create a problematic, you know, avenue. And it does, even though, you know, like I said, a lot of people did vote for Jill Stein. A lot of people did, you know, choose to support her, her candidacy. And and to see that, you know, bad narratives, just because someone has written about you or covered you, bad narratives being supported or um, permitted to exist. Because because I, I find it really problematic when people say, well, I don't agree with this person, but I'm going to give them a platform anyway. Like, uh-huh. why? And, and do it unchecked. Right? I mean, we see that happening with various members of the Trump administration on mainstream media. We, we see in independent media spaces some of the same mistakes. We see in third-party spaces some of the same mistakes that we're mm-hmm. upset with from corporate media and from the Democrats happening. And, and we, it's not about, well, I like this person, so I want to respect them and let them talk. That's fine. Right that you like someone, but when we really have bigger issues at stake and we're talking about right. information and really trying to reach people and, and, and create a new level of engagement, we can't make, you know, give people passes because there are friends and we like them if they're saying something that's wrong. Right. You know, there are people right, who right. I just, I like them personally, but I would never actually engage with them because I like them. So I don't want to have to work. I don't want to have to take them down on an episode so they can right. do whatever they do. You know what I'm saying? Like I mean, there's just different levels yeah. to this stuff, and it's not about wanting to destroy. That's what's so bothersome, right? Everyone jumps on defending her as an individual, right? right. You have to protect her as an individual instead of worrying about and looking at the conversation, the dialogue that has actually been presented, all of the right. critique and criticism that has been levied initially has been balanced, has been ideologically fair, you know, it's been very clear right. and concise and directly to the content and the issues. It is only right. when the response is deflection, denial, and disingenuous restatement of events that didn't actually even happen that there becomes a more personalized issue because you know, instead of actually addressing the critique, addressing the criticism, you know, she and people who are supporting her immediately get defensive and get personal because, oh, my right. God, these facts are somehow attacked. And that's the same type of behavior that many of us rejected, you know, for the past two years. And so it's very disheartening to see it happening. And I know for folks who watch it all unfold, they think it's just infighting, but there really should be a desire and commitment and importance to having good information. It's what we keep and maybe it's working. a good thing. It should be consistent. Yeah, sorry. Sorry that I interrupted you. No, I was on a soapbox. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just saying that perhaps it's a good thing. It's, it's a conversation that needs to be had. You know, uh, Malcolm X famously said, a man who stands for nothing will fall for anything. You have to – there are certain, there are certain um, taboos. There are certain red lines that just simply cannot be crossed. If you cross them, you're lost. That's it. If the left starts cooperating with white supremacists, 
it's finished. There's no left anymore. It's, it's done. So there are certain taboos that simply can, that a society cannot cross and that a, a, a viable left wing uh, simply cannot, cannot accept and cannot cross. So this is definitely one that was, for me, important, uh, and that's why I, I, I raised my voice about it, and that's why I'm talking to you today about it. Um, and that's why I continue – I will continue to write this uh, about this. I, I'm, I'm not going to write any more about, all right, hopefully, cross my fingers. I'm really uninterested in talking about this writer because – I do find her her writing uh, uninteresting and very 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 uh, uh, simplistic and um, and sensationalist and I don't think it's helpful in any way. So, uh, but I do plan mm-hmm. to keep talking about this topic about who we can collaborate with and who we should collaborate with because that's extremely important. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I actually, I think, I think the idea of independent, the role of independent media in our democracy, um, credibility and integrity in our work is definitely something that beyond this initial, you know, incident needs to be discussed and further built around. I mean, we need to have more than just, you know, Amy Goodman on Democracy Now! Or, or, right. or, or, you know, Abby Martin. We, we need to have more voices and people out there and those, sure. and I mean, Honestly, independent journalists, how we even knew what was happening on the ground in Ferguson, how we knew what was happening in Standing Rock, how we knew what was happening in Flint, right? Independent media, independent journalists have helped. Even, you know, even when you think about someone like Ida B. Wells Barnett in the 18, early 1900s, you know, and and the work she did, you know, we've always had a a commitment Uh to, I mean, various groups have had their own newspapers and newsletters to get information out to the people. This is not something that's brand new. This current iteration, because the technology may be new, but the role of media, journalists, informers who are engaging and helping to develop, you know, engaging informed populace, that is that is an ancient practice, right? And right, there is right. a certain integrity and credibility that, that, that should be a part of our work when we're engaging in dialogue with people. So I definitely agree this, this is something that not only needs to be continued to be written about and talked about, but, I mean, many people need trainings on, on, on why this matters. Like, it's not just enough to say you hate the deep state. What does that even mean? Like, how does right. that help people in their daily lives? Like, well, let me tell you. Bad, okay. But people right, need right. Or jobs, or education, right. or a whole uh, exactly. Of thing. Yeah. Exactly. And and let me tell. Let me let me just uh, accentuate uh, for for people who are not aware of um, of the similarities actually between the alt right and the left because there are similarities mm-hmm. and that's why a con like this can work and has worked. Um, the similarities come out of of and have come out historically also if you talk about historical precedents out of a erosion and a corruption of liberalism okay so indeed the liberal establishment is corrupted and whereas the the alt right jumps on this as a way to advance its own agenda and this this speaks to what you were saying before about motivation uh, from the left-wing perspective, it's important to realize that um, indeed the liberal establishment is corrupt, but that doesn't mean that all its accomplishments should be destroyed and are false. That's that's exactly what the alt-right are saying. So there is a shared hatred for liberals, um, but for example, the the um, 
and, and I talked about this in a piece uh, where I interviewed two uh, experts on the topic. Um, mm-hmm. And I talked about, and I, and, and I think I sent it to you, where, I, where we talked about how um, there's a politics of opposition that has taken root in left-wing politics. However, the, what's called the uh, anti-imperialist uh, standpoint on the left is very different from the one that's on the right, okay? And mm-hmm. the anti-capitalist version on the left is pretty much non-existent on the extreme right. So even though there is a shared exactly. hatred for a, a lot of the corruption that have come out of liberalism and the Democratic Party and Hillary Clinton, there's a total difference, and this is what people need to educate themselves on, on the motivation and also on the, um, <coughs> excuse me, on the um, goals, okay? So whereas the left is anti-imperialist, um, the right is a fake anti-imperialist, which actually seeks to um, close off the borders of the United States and also, at least part of it, um, kind of promote a Russian revanchism where, uh, you know, there, there's, there, there's, a, there's a, a new empire under the auspices of Moscow. And Eric Dreitzer speaks about this in the interview I did with him from Impress News. So there's huge differences between the right and the left. However, the alt-right seeks to forge an alliance with the left by focusing only on the points that are common, only on the common enemy. And this goes back to the con that I was talking about before, why it's so important to create a common enemy that in a way deconstructs the identities that we have and we must preserve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hope that made sense. No, that absolutely made sense. No, I mean, I think that's absolutely right because they keep saying, well, see, we're all anti-war. It's not actually true. And I don't think a lot of people understand what it really actually means. Right. No, it's definitely not true. Right. When you're talking about being anti-war, you're talking about being anti-militarism, anti-racist. You're talking about a lot of other things that that, that get broken down within, you know, decolonizing, you know, Right. institutions. I mean, there's a lot deeper conversation. I'm not even going to pretend I'm not the biggest, like, scholar in that area or anything like that. I follow people, people who also does not like to talk about things that I'm not as familiar with. I'll bring in someone right. else who's done way more work and understanding to do that. But, I mean, you know, they, they're driven by complete. What they're driven by is completely different, and we can't just say, well, we all want to work together because we'll end up with outcomes that is not the things that we're trying to work for. It's not just different, it's complete opposite. So the right, so the right, right. Wing, the alt-right, they seek a sort of global apartheid, okay? The whiteies mm-hmm. in the whiteies area and the blackies in the blackies area and the brownies in the brownies area. That's what they seek. Whereas the true left seeks a, a, a society where, you know, there is equality and justice between all. Doesn't seek these separations, okay? So that's a totally opposite vision. However, both use an anti-imperialist um, uh, rhetoric, one is real, the left, and one is fake, to promote their own agenda. So again, if you're not versed in it, you can be attracted to this notion of a common enemy, but the right wing is never going to go with the left vision. The vision is of a, of a, of a, of a global apartheid um, and, and a very regressive racist society. Mm-hmm. Mhm. Yeah. 
<laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, and and, and, I, and that that matters. The nuance we talked about this. The nuance, the right. context, right. it matters. You can have your own opinions. That's fine. Um, if you're happy, if you're content with uninformed opinions, that's that's fine too. But the misinformation of masses amounts of people is a problem, right? Um, and it should right. be one that 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 people, whether they're you know indie figures, political leaders, whomever it is, it should be something that people are concerned about within the work that they're trying to do. Uh, particularly right. when you're saying part of the part of the, the the issue is the way mainstream media itself misinforms and manipulates. If misinformation and manipulation is an issue for us, then that has to be an issue for us wherever it exists, not just with people we don't like. Um, right. That, that's 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 corruption, um, and that's a problem. So I absolutely agree with you. Um, and and this has been this has been good. Like I really I really appreciate the time and the care that you have been taking with this issue and discussing it. Um, you know, because I think a lot of people get caught up in the sensationalism. This is something that you brought up on a post yesterday. Um, the sensationalism of all of this, right? Oh my God, people are attacking right. her and they're against her, and you know, you're right. everyone else is something else. But it's like, no, it really is. There, there's a very clear issue that's continuously been, you know discussed and announced and, and, and this is what we need to be addressing, not how people personally feel about each other or whatever. And I so I really do appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today and um Yeah, you know, great getting, conversation. just getting this out to 